welcome to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Reviews. This week, we are here to talk about three of Marvel's biggest books this week. We're talking X-Men 21, Excalibur 21, and Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow number three. We're going to kick things off with X-Men 21. Of course, this is during the Hellfire Gala event, which everybody is so excited about as the mutants wear their best to what is essentially the mutant version of the Met Gala. Before we get into all of that, I want to let you guys know where you can find us all over the internet. We are the Comics Pals. Our main show drops every single Monday. We're talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. We're doing news, interviews, and all the other good stuff that you can expect about comics and comic book media. Uh, so if you're into that, make sure that you hit that follow button so that you know when we drop our stuff. Like this, share it. If you're listening to this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button for free. Share the video with your friends. Drop us a comment. All of that is free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. And if you're a fan of Image Comics, our reviews for that drop every single Wednesday, day and date. So if you enjoy Image Books, check us out on Wednesdays for our reviews of those. Without further ado, let's talk about X-Men 21. We are in the midst of the Hellfire Gala. Uh, Jonathan Hickman is providing us the story with a host of artists, uh, Nick Dragota, Russell Dodderman, Lucas Warnick, and Sarah Pacelli all contributed art to this book, uh, alongside Frank Martin, Matthew Wilson, Sonny Goh, and Nolan Woodard on colors, letters by Clayton Cowles, and of course, the designer of choice for the X-Books, Mr. Tom Muller. So, uh, I thought that this issue was awesome. It was fun. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I also really enjoyed this issue. Um, and it's funny, Sean, because when, uh, when I was reading it, I was like, I wonder if Sean will like this, because I assume that you would, because there was like some really good meat on the bone, but it also definitely reminded me to how often we dunk on <laughs> the fact that there was that is- the two issues of them just eating dinner before Ten of Swords, and this is like mm-hmm. kind of the same energy, but like, instead it's just drinks this time. <laughs> well, can of pace. <laughs> you know, I, I, I totally understand why you would feel that way. I'm not opposed to talky comics at all. I really enjoy them. For sure. When the when the verbiage is great. And mm. this was an example of that. So right here in this opening scene, right, we got Namor speaking with Professor Xavier and Magneto. I love this, is, this. Yeah, it's a callback to House and Powers when they invited him to join the Quiet Council and all the things that they were going to be involved in. And he said, hit me up when you guys do something that matters. They've done something that matters, but it doesn't matter enough to Namor uh, to warrant him joining them. And as much as I adore Professor Xavier and Magneto, I certainly do see them as more villainous characters or at least morally ambiguous characters throughout this story. And seeing them get dunked on by Namor was kind of fun. Um, yeah. They, they've come across as a lot more pompous yeah in in this era than uh than before so seeing someone who who pomposity is his whole identity right. <laughs> uh put them r- remind them of their place was 
felt pretty good. <laughs> I I truly hate Namor. Like I just I really think he's just such a douchebag, and I that's why I love him. Yeah. <laughs> like I I was so excited to see him come back and uh, for them to have this conversation again. Um, because you know, to your point, Sean, right? Like they have achieved quite a bit since they last spoke, but like, you know, it's kind of a drop in the bucket compared to what Namor has achieved, you know, or, or has uh, at his disposal. Um, and it, it, I, I did get a real kick out of that, especially cause, like of how much it clearly pisses them off. Can I just point out how Namor always talks all this shit? But I've never really actually seen him do anything. Like, he doesn't do a lot. But, Sean, he'll be the first to remind you he has dominion over 70% of the planet. Are there people there? No. But he does rule it. Yeah. Lots of land. Great. Professor Xavier and Magneto are reveling in their success probably more than I've ever seen uh, characters like enjoy themselves like they really love how you know how successful this whole thing has been just look at that first uh that first panel in which they appear they look like bosses they like look at how they're dressed they're coated in you know white and gold um they look cool and they just look like i don't know they're just even the way they stand is like arrogant yeah and the way they approach him uh, to speak about this issue is arrogant. Um, Magneto saying that they're hu- honored and humbled. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> I, I that's what's been most interesting for me is the the like formalities and how very careful everybody's been. Like, in in I, I caught up and read Marauders and how Emma's you know is controlling things as things are going in terms of communication. How should we be speaking to X delegation? How should we be considering X group um, here? Similarly, right. They, they approach with a, Hey, what's, you know, what's the situation here and, and where do you lie? Um, and Namor flat out's like, how goes the empire building? You know, he's like, he's not here to, you know, beat Play. around the bush. Yeah, he's he's here to do business. Oh, you don't have anything? Cool. I'm gonna go hang out with other people who matter more than you guys right now. And that's been interesting throughout all of this. I think um, <clears throat> you know, we always go back to I wanna say it was issue fifteen. It might be earlier than that, but the one where they go and, and meet with the world leaders. Oh, like issue three or four. Was, like, was it? Was okay, it? five, whatever. Like it's in the first couple. Um and it the the politics of it were what yeah. were what stuck out, right? And like I think this is another issue that really flirts with that. But specifically this interaction and then kind of, you know, some of the other stuff that comes along with it, it really gave me um like early uh like Game of Thrones vibes, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like very much about like yeah, you know, there's action and stuff, but the really interesting stuff is when people are like casually talking about like their backdoor alliances and all this kind of stuff you know like the 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 bigger game that's at play than any one given conflict or whatever um and yeah i i really uh i i appreciated this interaction a lot what was really intriguing about this interaction and something that some people seem to pick up on but a lot of people didn't is that Namor leaves them to go and stand with 
Iron Man, Reed, Black Panther, and Captain America, and Doctor Strange, that's the Illuminati. Yep. And it sure is. (laughs) Jonathan Hickman, of course, is the person who used the Illuminati to great effect during his Avengers run. Um, And it seems as though he is reviving that concept here, which makes a lot of sense. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. But in the Sinister Secrets, which made its return, which was so exciting, I was so happy to see that. Um, uh, and and we'll, we'll talk about them, but um, one of them is uh, this one. Sinister Secret 55 says, regarding secrets and secret alliances and the shadow play that is the great game of nations, just how many ruling councils are there now circling the sun? I'll mm-hmm. never tell. But if you say two, you're definitely too low. Now... That is obviously referring to the Quiet Council. Uh, it's probably referring to whatever the uh, ana- uh, the the analogy is for that in Araco. But it's also right. referring to oh. Verendi, I think, which is the the group with the kids from Marauders. I think it's also referring to. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the space. What what's the the group? The, the humans Shi'ar? who, not no. not the Shi'ar. No the, no no the uh, the people we just the ones Orcus. who are building. Is it Orcus? I think yes. it is Orcus. Orcus. Yes. Yeah. 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 Orcus. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I think it's also referring to secret groups within the uh, Quiet Council. I think it's referring to the Illuminati. I think it's referring to all of these things. I think the Illuminati are reforming to deal with this Mm -hmm. uh which is so exciting like we could have you know you brought up game of thrones uh this is as game of thrones as i can recall marvel ever getting yeah it's very interesting especially when you think about uh the fact that professor x was a member of the illuminati but was not like he left at one point (laughs) and they and they were still like acting without him and everything so the idea of them reforming without him, um, I'd be interested to see how that was played. Captain America's presence there is very interesting. Uh, those who have longer memories will recall that he was a member of the Illuminati uh, during Bendis's run on Avengers Core, um, but that he got his mind wiped by uh, Iron Man and several of the other members of the team. He doesn't remember that because of what happened in secret wars and all the incursions and all that jazz he doesn't recall that that happened to him so if you're wondering why captain america would be willing to go in bed with them again in this way that's why that's interesting okay yeah um but that's just one piece of a lot of what made this issue really great i'm assuming that the next part of the book uh the part where the 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 members of the x-men are chosen is by Russell Dodderman because that's the order in which they were listed and it looks like his artwork. It uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh rarely these days do we get to see Dodderman interiors and wow. This man is he's 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 one of the greatest. Just he really is. Put him on a monthly book, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, I would love it. It, it. Maybe it's just that he can't do this monthly. Yeah. Amazing. But like he... Go ahead. Is he just like a slow artist or? Well, just because of how quality all of this is, mm. I'm like just suggesting. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's tough for him. 
Okay. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily a, uh, you know, that it, just, it it might be a quality drop if he has to right. adhere to a monthly deadline. Sure. Right. Okay. Uh, but you look at this first page, just look at the posing, you know, everybody looks immaculate. Um, even like Jean in the background, you know, you can't see her face, but just look at that. Like that's a, that's a great figure. Um, you know, all right. Listen, what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> um, it's just so, it's just so incredible. Uh, even like the use of like the foreground, right? Like you yeah. can see like Kitty's uh, like shoulder and champagne glass and, and like, there's just so many layers of it, like all the way back to the last group, and you can see Magic and Colossus um, with some other folks uh, chatting and stuff. And yeah, it's just man, I Russell Donnerman is so good, and his yeah. gene is my favorite gene by like a lot, which is saying a lot because there's a lot of great Gene Gray designs, but I love the way he draws her. One or two, maybe. <sighs> Uh, yeah, she looks incredible. I could go on. I won't. Um, this is where we get to see how they choose the new team of X-Men. And it's actually a really interesting process. They basically link all of the minds of all of the mutants and let them uh, speak, you know, proverbially speak, uh, about why they want to be X-Men. And then everybody gets to cast their vote, and that's how we got this team. Uh, I'm intrigued to know if we'll ever actually get to like see the reason why they all wanted to be X Men and why they were chosen chosen rather, uh, because I can I get it for some of them, right? It's really obvious why Rogue would be chosen, but like Sync. You know, what is his reasoning for wanting to be an X-Men that resonated so much with the people of Krakoa that they mm-hmm. picked him? You know, yeah, I think wanna... that, that will add a lot of character. And I'm sure Jerry Duggan will play with that. I hope so. Um, There's just some truly great pages here. Um, The page of them doing that, like the the sync up and like there's um, it's like Thor and, and Johnny and, and Doctor Strange. Um, like kind of chatting about it and yeah. it's like just the picture of Storm and Jean like book ending the page oh beautiful have the X-Men ever been this prideful oh I feel I don't think they ever had a chance yeah nope yeah it's magnificent to watch and it feels great but as we know pride comes before the fall right and yeah, unfortunately, it kind of sucks that they're having the greatest time of their lives and Inferno's right around the corner. It's probably going to burn all this down. And no one here except for Professor X and Magneto deserve that. You know, they've done nothing wrong. Uh, Gene and and all these mutants have done nothing to deserve what's coming their way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we get into the Sinister Secrets it's hard to depict or, or to decipher these as per usual, but I love when Jonathan Hickman does this. It's so much fun. Do you guys want to take a, uh, a play at trying to see what we can figure out? Sure. Hey, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Tom Miller for the design, the, yeah. the question mark also acting as like an ear. Super cool. Just like uh, a visual, a good, very good call out. Um, 
I'm of the mind that not all of these are even true. Some of them might just be like BS. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll run through them uh, real quick. Sinister Secret 51. This quiet council member isn't actually fooling anyone. They're fooling everyone. Wear a mask long enough and eventually it starts wearing you. Such a shame not being able to let things go. What does that mean? Feels like- I assume it's Mystique. Yeah, I you think the same thought. Yeah. I, I was thinking... Go ahead, Kill. I was going to say Mystique, or uh, I think it could also be a very obvious uh, Xavier. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, that it could be Charles. Constant wearing of the mask, not being able to let things go. That could be the dream. We've only, yeah, we've only seen him take it off, you know, two or three times in this, in this whole era, you know? Yeah. One of which was when it was broken. So he didn't take it off. That makes sense. Uh, Sinister Secret 52. She doesn't have it yet, but one way or another, this mutant always, always, always get what she wants. Will it be given to her or will it have to be taken? Doesn't matter. The real question is, what's in the box? Could it be diamonds or something far more valuable? Obviously, this is referring to Emma Frost. Uh, 53. I bet you'd like to know how this fittest of all mutant is handling the second genesis of his external life. Sorry, you'll have to wait to find out. Apocalypse. Uh, 54. Seducer made an honest man of the island's favorite boy. But what unspoken secrets are coursing through the nervous system of the favorite boy's island friend? Are you listening? I know that you are. That's a reference to Doug Ramsey and his relationship. Of with, course. Uh, I, can't for, I can't recall her name. Um, and, fi- and Warlock. And Warlock, well, yes. Absolutely, sure. yeah. Uh, 55. Regarding secrets and secret alliances in the shadow play that is the Great Game of Nations, we went over that one. Um, we believe it's referring to all of the different, you know, teams that are forming now uh, to rise up, presumably against the uh, mutants. 56. And speaking of things that come in twos, two empty seats on the Quiet Council are too, too many. Look for there to be moves made in the filling of those empty seats, regardless of how many favors have to be called in or how many unwise alliances are formed. Just remember, when everyone has a secret, no one can be trusted. That one, I don't have anything. Yeah, I don't have anything for that. uh, It's going to be the, I'm assuming, because was was Storm a member? Of the Quiet Cancel? She was, and she's not now. Right, and then uh, Cyclops? Oh, well, wait. No. Storm is still on it. Right? Jean, uh, Jean left. And Scott Jean left. left. And Scott left. And, yeah, they both left. Scott didn't have a seat, though. No, Scott right. Was he didn't the have captain a captain or whatever. Mm, Apocalypse right. is gone. Yes. That's the two. Got it. Yeah. So who um, would who would be up, but who would be on par of an Apocalypse then? That's a good question. Um, those seats appear to be really, really valuable on Krakoa, and they're probably going to be traded for, you know, Alliance. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think Marauders has addressed that, like the idea that, you know, that's going to be at play mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, on to 57. For far too long, they shared an existence. Now the one has become two. The first is a shattered captain of a demanding queen, and the second, a sinister sword under a sinister thumb. How long will the second stay there? How many more sinister demands will be too many? No one knows, but I think we're getting close. This is, of course, a reference to Psylocke. Uh, Quanan is the uh, body 
No, Quinnon is the mind. No, Quinnon is the body of Psylocke. Yes. Uh, the body of the Psylocke from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Betsy was the mind. Right. And Quinnon was trapped inside. She had no agency. Now she does, but she's beholden <clears throat> to Sinister. He is. He has been keeping her under thumb. This goes way back to uh, Fallen Angels, right. which was written by Brian Hill. And it's still something that the book is dealing with. Uh, Hellions is dealing with. So that's that. Uh, 58. It's still the early days of the Viscoran excavation of Blight Worlds, but an unknown material of immeasurable worth has begun appearing in the crooked market. So far, the Mad Jasper has snatched up every piece as soon as it's available for trade. But don't you worry. Our Confederacy of Capes is set on acquiring some by hook or crook. Mad Jasper. It's got to be an Excalibur thing. Mm, maybe. Um, you remember well, what the Crooked Market is, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, in, that's in like the other world or whatever? Yes. The Captain yeah. Britain yeah. Yeah. world. Okay. Avalon. That's right. 59. Promotions are hard to come by when everyone is a resurrected immortal, but sometimes a change has to be made when an unexpected variable is added to the equation. Heroes and their do-gooder ways. Always an inconvenience for a practical mutant. Hmm. Not sure about that. Not sure, yeah. What'd you say there, Kale? Wolverine? Explain. I don't don't know that he would consider himself a a hero or do-gooder. More of a practical mutant. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, That didn't didn't strike me any particular way. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of it. guess, yeah. Uh, and then they reposted a sinister secret that was revealed uh, a while back. Uh, we don't hear this word spoken often, so when we do, it's best to pay attention because when you square that circle, what took a long time to build can come crumbling down rather quickly. Inferno, of course, that is referring to you know what's about to happen, uh, where you know this whole thing is going to presumably be burned down, uh, unfortunately, during the inferno event and then sinister secret 60 what sinister someone has been hard at work studying the vile helix of a vile world it's me uh of course a reference to sinister and i'm assuming his uh machinations with the encounter that the hellions had with the weird uh the weird mutants of arako Arako. when he took their their dna for himself Mm. Yeah. Uh, how that will, you know, play out, who knows. Uh, next up, we get some serious cameos. Uh, George R. R. Martin is on yeah. the page. Uh, Eminem is there. Uh, Pat Oswalt is there. Um, those were the only ones that I uh, immediately uh, recognized. Mark Marin was a f- uh, before. The- oh, yeah, he's on the earlier page when they're all yeah. connecting minds. Okay. He's there. Yep. Okay. This is a gorgeous page, by the way. Uh, right, yeah. page right after the Sinister Secrets. My goodness, I literally could could look at Jean Grey drawn in this style by these artists all day. I'm so happy. She looks so happy. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, yeah, this this was a really enjoyable issue overall. Uh, I, we we do see a little bit of Emma and what's whatever's going on with the box. There's a conversation there, but there's not a lot to it. Kevin uh, Feige, yeah, I thought that was fucking 
That Did that so... do, do anything for you guys? Not like in a. It didn't like make me pop, but I thought it was kind of funny. Like it's like. See, it it wildly took me out. I was pretty grossed out by it, to be honest. <laughs> and not because I think it's like you know despicable or anything, but it, it just like to me it was like one step too meta. Sure. I think what's funny about it that, like, I couldn't help but laugh about, and I mean, like, granted, right, on the previous page, we're talking about how it's, like, all the people that are here are, like, artists and, and creators and whatever, um, but I love the idea that it's, like, they're, like, we have to choose the greatest ambassadors of humanity, so we're going to call the Avengers George R. R. Martin and Kevin Feige. <laughs> it's all right, cool. Sure. <laughs> I was... Go ahead, Marco. Sorry, the guy before that is that uh is that Shia LaBeouf? I thought it was maybe no. Post Malone. I wondered if it was Post Malone too. Oh, okay, I can see that. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, I wasn't bothered by the Kevin Feige thing. Unfortunately, that was spoiled for me, so mm. I knew it was coming. When I found out about it, I was very put off. Yeah. But the way that it was handled, where he just he's just there and he just asks Cyclops a question which allows Cyclops to, you know, give his story or whatever. I thought that was kind of cute and uh, it was fun and a nod to uh, obviously the future of the films and stuff. I think that that could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah, I think that's where I ended up coming down on it. Like it, it definitely made me roll my eyes a little bit, but it wasn't it didn't feel as like egregious as I think I would have expected it to be. So I think probably me overestimating how much I would dislike something like that uh, cushioned it a little bit. <laughs> so Man, I hate it. Fair enough. I feel you. Uh, skipping ahead because we've been talking about this issue for a long time already uh, to the end where I'm pretty sure we're now seeing what it is that everyone saw uh, in Marauders 21 that made them freak out. Um I'm curious if you guys, I think I know what it is, um, but I didn't at first. Do you guys know what's happening here? No idea. No. It looks like two figures inside of something, but I couldn't make out. I think that they are going, essentially going to be terraforming Mars. Oh, and shit. Yeah, expanding Krakoa, taking Mars for themselves. Wait, huh? Huh. Whoa. And that's why Planet Size X-Men has the name that it has. Oh, oh, Sean, that's a fucking awesome theory. That's really fucking cool. Hmm. So those aren't many people inside of the orb? Um, I think that, well, I'm not, I don't know, but I, I'm, I just think that they're terraforming Mars. That's all I got for you. Interesting. Yo, I mean, how how fucking crazy would it be if that the tease for how this is like the end of the era is that like it's because Krakoa is going to fall and they're like, fuck it, we're going to Mars and the, the mutants Whoa. all just bail. <laughs> That'd be fucking rad. Yeah. That'd be the next step. Yeah. Holy Set shit. Their own planet. Yep. For sure. Um. Huh. Either way, I really enjoyed this issue. Having multiple artists on it was really cool. Normally, I'm not a fan of that, but the nature of this issue, I think, allowed for it. And they all did such a tremendous job. Sarah Pacelli, um, I don't see a lot of her work anymore because I'm not sure what book she's on. 
Um, and I stopped reading that J.J. Abrams abomination. So um, it was cool to see her on this. She's not still an Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> um, the one thing I did want to comment on, like I, I don't usually like to like pick things apart, but did y'all notice the really weird panel on the first page? The very first page. Look at it's the third panel of Namor, and his eye, the drift mm. on his eye. It's fucking scary. How 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 odd it looks. <laughs> I think I think a lot of the eyes from that artist is that Nick Dragota. I couldn't yes, quite it is tell. Dragota. Yeah. Okay. I think I I don't know. I think it's just a weird style choice. Like I don't yeah. necessarily think it's an error. I think it just kind of. I don't know. I get what you fits mean. His style, because like his the eyes all look kind of freaky, but that one is really off. <laughs> yeah, Nick Nick Dragota's, uh It's it's a weird mix of realism and uh, and uh, exaggeration in the physical bodies. Yeah, yeah. Specifically in the faces and eyes, it's 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 off putting. But I'm I personally like Nick Dragota's style. Is he on Is he on um, Manhattan Projects? Do you remember? I that think so. Right. He's a, he's a frequent collaborator of uh, with Hickman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed this issue. I thought it was awesome. Uh, everybody did such a tremendous job, and you know it feels like this was an opportunity to celebrate everything that has come before as we near the end of this phase of, um, you know, Hickman's era of storytelling for the X-Men. Sean, if you're right about the Mars thing, I'll get your Tempe's chicken nugget. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. If I'm right about the Mars thing, don't get me a Tempe's chicken nugget. Get me like Popeye's. All right, all right, bet. Popeye's Popeye's. chicken nuggets? Uh, They had the tenders, the strips. Yeah. Tell you what, I love that chicken from Popeyes. So do I. Uh, hashtag not an ad. Also, <laughs> just Unless. so happens. Hey, listen, please. Hit us up. <laughs> uh, it just so happens that Planet Size X Men comes uh, out on my birthday. So uh, next week will be my birthday show on the main show. And, um, you know, we'll be reviewing Planet Size X Men over here. And I can't wait to talk about it. That's the birthday gift that Marvel's giving to me. It's, it's going. very exciting. It's yeah. going. Let's talk about Excalibur 21. So uh, Excalibur is by Teeny Howard with Marcus Toe on art. Uh, Eric Arsenega on colors uh, with letters by Ariana Mayer and, of course, Tom Muller, the designer. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I skipped a few issues of Excalibur. I fell off just after um and ten of swords yeah and, same yeah so i probably missed a uh, good four issues and I, I didn't know betsy was back yeah that was the biggest yeah shock which i mean i guess we back. knew was happening because we had seen her outfit and everything but i i, I, I oh, felt I, very yeah, lost I didn't even put that together i felt very lost in this i was like i don't know what the hell's happening but i got there yeah, um, that was the only thing for me that wasn't familiar just because a lot of the, the other threads are from before Ten of Swords. 
Mm. So if you miss, if you weren't reading before Ten of Swords, then I could definitely understand a lot of this not being clear. Uh, Richter still mourning the loss of Apocalypse. Uh, he just cannot get over it um, because Apocalypse basically unlocked something in him that, uh, you know, he cherishes. Now he's like a druid. And then um, he decides, he's like, I'm going to fuck around and just, you know, make an island drunk. He, he's yeah. like walking around with a bottle and he's like, I'm f- you know what? Fuck it. I, I'm a druid. I'm a real druid. <laughs> you say can't make an island, I'll show you. <laughs> he fucking showed him, yeah. One of my favorite aspects of this book to this point has been Teeny Howard focusing on the relationship between Gambit and Rogue. Uh, go ahead, Kill. It took me a long time to figure out that that was Gambit. Really? From <laughs> yeah. the way you talked, you didn't pick it no, up? I'm, I know. I'm real dumb. Okay. Fair enough. Um, They're not the first relationship to come out of the X-Men, of course. That's Gene and Cyclops. But I oh, think... Uh, please uh i think gambit and rogue are definitely the second and the best probably the most beloved i think like if you if you were to ask like the wider audience i think they would say those two um and seeing how their relationship has matured and solidified has been awesome i think teeny howard has done a great job with that yeah yeah i i i i definitely like um I feel like you run into this a lot in storytelling, right? Where, like, there's this idea that the most interesting part of a relationship is, like, um, the will they, won't they, and the conflict, and they're young. Like, I like when there's a writer who's confident enough in, like, a a set of characters' chemistry to just write them as being together and just do that and not have to, like, artificially insert all these, like, things that, you know, um, create tension. Well, a really obvious one would have been, it's pointed out point blank, Jubilee says, I'm glad you're not all weird that your wife got the gig and you didn't. And Gambit doesn't care. Now, he's like, Gambit's I don't fuck. <laughs> he's not the type of character that would care, but that would have been a really cheap and easy way for Teeny Howard to introduce conflict to the couple. And that's just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they didn't go down that road. Yeah. Um, and Gambit's always got something in the back pocket anyhow. Um, he's chill. He's going to hang out with the cats, you know. Work on his card tricks. Do whatever. <laughs> yeah, respect. I don't. I don't think that this issue added a lot to the uh, Hellfire Gala itself, but I think if you're reading Excalibur, um, this issue is pretty good, and you definitely got a lot of fun interactions. I really enjoyed the uh, the, um, the interaction between uh, Nightcrawler and Pixie. Um, and kind of the love triangle that was forming there. Yeah, um, and I also uh, love how he's just drunk. Like, it's like he shows up and he's very much just like, whoops, alcohol's got on top of me. Sorry. Like, <laughs> Hey, man, first rule of Krakoa. You're damn I mean, right. it sounds like she's pregnant, right? It does, yeah. Um, and then the, the moment between uh, Rachel Gray and... Betsy, that was cool too. I like that. Yeah. Um, is was that like teasing some romance, or are they just like really close friends? Like, I don't know what to think. I took it as she was being a really good friend. Um, but 
obviously that could be read anyway. So yeah, it was interesting because at first, I like when they were first talking, I was like, that was I was kind of reading it that way. But then the last panel, um, where she was like. Well, she said, oh, come around the lighthouse more. And she goes, it misses you. And I was like, ooh, that seems like a little romantic. That definitely feels like like maybe there's some there's some chemistry there. That would be nice. Uh, this was definitely a sweet moment. And um, I- I'm open to wherever that's going to go. Yeah, I-, I liked it. It was like it was very tender. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what did you guys think about the art? Was really Marcus good. Toe has fucking leveled up since yes. I've seen him uh, in a while. I was impressed. Yeah, there's like, some really good work here. Like when I started reading him in uh, Red Robin in like, I don't know, 2007 or whatever, like his his stuff was incredible um, and easily one of my favorite artists. But this is just, this is a whole other level. Like he's improved so much mm-hmm. like this reading was... this right after x-men um i was just like wow yeah like this is this is like approaching like the level of like what what i look at daughter and stuff and i'm just like god like this is just so fucking clean and good like that was how i felt from pretty much all of this issue like the character work is really good and and especially for there being like it's not a really action issue. It's everybody standing around talking and like, there's a lot of like emotional moments. Mm-hmm. Like that's the most important thing to get right. You know? Um, and I think it makes like that moment we were just talking about, right? Like how sweet that moment comes across. I think it's cause there's a tenderness and like a vulnerability in the way that the characters are, are portrayed on the page. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you compare that to like the argument that like Betsy gets in with that, like British wizard guy, whatever. <laughs> Um, and it's like, that's very heated and it's these, all these close ups and everybody's faces are real bent up and intense and, you know, yeah, there's a real good, um, range in this issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then the, the other thing was that these costumes that Russell Dauterman designed, um, they look perfect. Everybody's so fucking hot. Everybody yeah. is so sexy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and the fact that they were designed by Russell Dodderman, but they're consistent mm-hmm. here. They mm-hmm. look the same. The characters look how they're supposed to look in them. That's fantastic. Like, I was really happy to see that, um, especially with Rogue. Like, she genuinely might be the best dressed. And I hope she keeps this outfit because this outfit is crazy. Like, don't give this back to Jumbo Carnation. <laughs> right? It's so dope. I feel that yep. way about Jean's outfit too, though. I'm like, can this just be a new costume? It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh and 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 you know, again, a very quiet issue. There's not a lot of physicality happening across the X books right now. And that's fine. That's completely fine. They're getting their story across. I enjoy where things are going. This feels light years better than ten of swords and maybe it's because there's no promise of anything in particular whereas ten of swords you know told us there was going to be a tournament and and this and that and they kind of like upended that in a negative way yeah this is just like we all we know is there's going to be a gala and we're going to learn who the x-men are that's it Mm -hmm. and 
I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. It doesn't. There's no, there's no pretense. Like right. the fact that they're just standing around talking. It's like, well, yeah, it's an event. It's a party. Yeah. I'm into Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Tons of fun. Uh, let's talk about our last book, Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow, number three. This is, of course, the first book in the what is going to be a series of what-if titles coming from Marvel. Chip Zdarsky is writing it with Pasquale Ferry on art. Matt Eisner Award-nominated Chip Zdarsky. There you go. <laughs> um, with Matt Hollingsworth on colors. Uh, if he wasn't nominated, he should be because Matt Hollingsworth is one of the best. I think he was, actually. He's won in the past. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... I know that not all of us are hot on this book. I think it's Pete and I versus Marco and Kale. Uh, so, Kale, what do you think about this issue? I it was most mostly the same, more of the same for me. Hmm. I could take it or leave it mostly. Okay. Uh, you, I had Mark? fun. This was, you know, this was. Uh, I, I think I think I, I I have it's grown on me a little bit. Um, hmm. Just kind of seeing how it's affected peter's relationships um this is this is a, a fun issue um I, I think on the art end also it's a little bit uh better structured um i feel like i don't know if i was on the second issue review but i think the first one i was definitely a little critical of like some of the the coloring and like the fire and then the yeah. way that things were were uh drawn but this one i think was a little more tighter um the colors i think more consistent and overall it was it was a, a good issue no no complaints okay uh where are you at with this series now pete i i really like this issue as well um there's some really creative paneling um and it's, it's nothing like <clears throat> like mind-blowing but there's definitely some cool stuff i think the art is really strong and you know i i've called it out since the beginning it has kind of a, a retro look to it but not um not a slavishly retro look to it and i i appreciate it for that it definitely feels very dialed into to the time um and i think that like they've they've maintained that tone throughout um and and i think that's been that's been really rewarding to see that continue to grow and and keep momentum it feels like i think this issue uh despite being so action heavy it felt like it slowed things down a lot for me not in a bad way, but like it definitely feels like the middle of the story um, because, you know, the whole issue is more or less centered on on this conflict, you know, with the Sinister Six. And, you know, um, by the end of it, like we're we're kind of moving into now what feels like the we're moving towards resolution, right? Like you can imagine the next issue is going to be where we get the smatterings of the big conflict and then we'll get the big conflict and the, and the walk down, you know? Um, so I think like for where we're at in the series, this issue like hit all the right notes for me. It, it keeps things moving um, at a brisk enough pace, but it also feels like it gives the story a little bit of room to breathe. Um, yeah. I, I think, um, I think similarly to Marco, I do also think the art was was even stronger in this one. Like I, I really liked um, the kind of like the the shot where like the con the actual fight starts and like Spidey's got um, fucking uh, Beetle like strung up 
in the in the trees and then you know there's like the mysterio sequence with some really cool background work there um very very odd you know panel shapes and stuff like that there um yeah i think i think in general right like this is not a a groundbreaking comic but i think it's it's a really really fun comic and it's it's very easy to read um and i found that it's like it's definitely been like a nice like popcorn book like when we start our reading for the day this is if this is on the list this is like where i like to start you know um because it's it's just digestible and and enjoyable and like subversive in a way that's not surprising but that is well executed enough um that i think it is it it, uh it justifies its own existence in that way i think really well so I was mixed leaning positive with this issue. Uh, I liked the fact that the Sinister Six had a plan to try to deal with uh, Spider-Man. The Sinister Six, like some of the members are dumb, like Rhino, obviously, but not all of them are. Craven is, is really smart. Yeah. And Mysterio is too. So it would have annoyed me to no end if he dispatched them with ease. And I thought that's where it was going. I was like, ah, come on, man. Like I get that. I understand that part of this story is what if Spider-Man was unleashed? And I know that if that were to happen, he would probably be one of the most dangerous people in the world, at least as far as like the, the like more street-ish level characters go. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But I really enjoyed how they used the fire to to stop spider-man and i don't know if they knew that the symbiote would react that way or how they would know that uh i what i took it as was that craven figured it out like he noticed that the symbiote was afraid because he goes oh there's the fear yeah yeah um it's just that the fire seemed to be deliberate but uh Either way, that was cool. And then J. Jonah Jameson hopping in a suit to fight Spider-Man would probably have been something that if it happened in a mainline story, I'd have been like, eh, this is silly. But here, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought that the moments, that there were like two turns on back-to-back pages. The one where Spider-Man realizes that Jonah is in a suit fighting against him, and that's what gives the the sinister six the upper hand for the most part uh it's the fire in conjunction with that reveal but then the double turn where the the symbiote leaves peter's body starts to leave his body and jonah realizes oh it's peter and now he can't kill him yeah now he has to help him escape that was an awesome moment i like that and that that was worth the price of admission for me just because of how cool i thought that was I like that the suit is a throwback to um, when he actually had a suit, like in the early, uh, the early '60s stuff. That's pretty, like uh, a pretty cool. Uh, Jameson suit, you mean? Yeah, Jameson suit. Yeah, yeah. And the big robot suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I could definitely see. You know, I'm, I'm not in any way surprised that it happened. Mm. Uh, but if if I saw that like today, today. that would be oh. like, what is this? Right. Um, <laughs> So that was fine. I will say that the end of the book definitely felt like a jump the shark moment. Kind of disappointed me. 
Yep. That I, was lame. I'm kind of bummed. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I wanted to see this go to its like grisliest, um, its grisliest conclusion, you know, like where we really just like see Peter turn into a monster. Um, and now it feels like we're going to walk it back, you know, um, and he'll be redeemed and, you know, whatever. I would be shocked if there's redemption. I think that he has killed people and there's no coming back from that. He's probably got to die. Probably. Um, I think like maybe like um, he'll redeem himself in the sense that he'll save. Yeah. You know, New York from the symbiote assault. But I think he's got to die. Otherwise, there's no way for me to believe that he could continue to be Spider-Man after what he has done. No one would trust him ever again. But the idea that the symbiote is taking over the bodies of the Fantastic Four is it gave me douche chills because it like it could be good. Like anything could happen that could be good on its face. For me, that is very silly. Like I'm not intrigued by that. I'm certainly willing to give it a chance, but that's just weird the the last page got that got me i was like oh interesting i don't know what this is this is this looks like a good twist um admittedly that that was my reaction as well wow i I feel like i feel like uh he's about to make like toxin and carnage and all these spin-off symbiotes and start throwing them on heroes and stuff and that's what i don't i'm not here for that yeah, if that if that being the case, yeah, that's I'm I'm off that completely. But the uh, I, you know, this being the the issues like reveal or whatever on its face, I I was kind of into that because you know in that original uh, series, like the Fantastic Four is who helps Peter get away from the symbiote, right? So the fact that that avenue is being taken away from him now sort of changes the game yeah i guess because you guys are familiar with it like it's happened before for you guys this is the first time i've ever seen something like this i'm like oh that's cool that's novel yeah yeah and that's the thing is like i think for me i'm i'm not out on it i i think i'm more just disappointed because it feels like a swerve like i thought the story was going to be one thing and now it feels like it's going to be something else but i but i think to kale's point it's rooted enough in things that have happened that I'm like, all right, like you're going somewhere with this. Like I I've liked this enough to this point that like, let's see where you got, let's see where you're trying to go. You know, I honestly like, I don't, I don't hate symbiotes, but when it comes to uh, symbiotes outside of venom and carnage used in the very specific, like Eddie Brock, Cletus Cassidy, like outside of that, I do not give a shit about symbiotes. I really yeah. don't. I think yeah. that uh, they got burned to the ground with overuse due to Bendis in the uh, late, two- I, was, I want to say the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. During Mighty yeah. Avengers, that was yeah. way overkill. And then now with Donny Cage, it's just like, if I never see another symbiote again that's not Venom or Carnage, I'll be happy. I'm done. And yeah. Other characters who are already established getting symbiotes is like mind numbingly boring to me so it's been it's been done so much 
you know it's a dead it's a dead thing to me like yeah. i can't handle it it's so bad in my opinion and and again chip Zdarsky is not the people who've done it before and this story has been good so far so i'm not saying that i don't want to see this yeah because i don't know what this is going to be i'm just saying that the idea I'm not interested. I'm, t- I'm totally with you. And I think the thing that makes the difference for me, it's the two things you just laid out, right? Like Chip's good and this story's been good so far. So like, like I'm going to give him enough rope to hang himself. But I also think that this is a book that's not happy- happening now, right? It's, it's rooted in 80s comics. And this is like the symbiote just showed up. So I'm yeah. like, me being rooted there mentally helps me to not, go to that place that we're talking about where I'm like, I don't fucking care about this. I don't want to read about, you know, Toxin and the eight other fucking, I don't even remember the other, the other one's names because who the fuck cares? <laughs> Acid. Base. Oh, God. Molecule. Uh, yeah. If this were a, a story taking place in continuity, Pete, I, I wouldn't even read the next issue. Just because no, I don't think there's a unless word of mouth was insanely good. I don't think there's a creative team that could make me care about another character getting a symbiote. But uh, jury's out. We'll see how uh, Spider Shadow resolves. Who's, I'm still in. Who's your favorite artist? Just period. Oh man, um, Steve McNeven is generally. Okay, what if it's answer. Steve McNeven and Grant Morrison? <laughs> is that a creative team that can make you care? Oh, who's they're like we got it we got a new symbiote <laughs> you're gonna get you gonna get an issue every six months out of that so by the yeah. time that 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 paperback comes out it's gonna be fucking 10 years <laughs> 10 years of the making you're like you I know might not even be here to see <laughs> how the whole thing resolves and if it starts like that that sucks like damn <laughs> it started like this i died and then it ended good and i don't even know it that's terrible so uh Thank you guys for listening to our reviews of these three books. If there are any books that you want us to talk about that we're not write into us at the comics at gmail.com, or as you guys tend to prefer, leave your comments in the YouTube comment section below. We always read your comments every single week. If you don't know that it means you don't listen to the main show. So if you've ever left a comment on one of our videos, we've read it. Uh, and we've reacted to them. So if we don't react to you in the YouTube comments, which Pete is generally good about, uh, we always get to you on the show. So thank you so much. We genuinely appreciate it very, very much that you guys do that. Keep doing it. It helps us out a lot. Costs you nothing. We will see you guys next week on our review show. Listen to the main show. It drops every single Monday. You will not regret it. And our image reviews on Wednesdays. Yes, and our image reviews on Wednesdays. We're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Sulfuric. <laughs> Marco, can you can you name genuinely? Can you name one symbiote that's not Venom or Carnage? No, uh, Toxin only because you brought it up. Because I said it twice. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, no idea.